0: What's up everybody, welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. I apologize, I'll just start right out, for not releasing a podcast yesterday. As I'm recording this, it is Tuesday, February 4th, and usually I release these kind of tweener episodes on Mondays, but I have been quite sick lately. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice but I'm just super congested, and my throat and my whole, just kind of, and, you know, it was really bad a few days ago, but, you know, I watched the, uh, I watched the waste management a little bit, um, and I had some thoughts from, I, I recently finished the book that I've mentioned a few times, Better Than I Found It, by, uh, coach Mike McGraw of, of the, uh, of Baylor, Baylor university. And he, um, he sent me this book. I, I I recap kind of every time that I bring it up, but he sent me this book after we talked on episode 28, I believe of the podcast. Um, if you haven't listened to that, you should definitely listen to my conversation with coach McGraw. He's awesome. I actually want to go back and re-listen to it now that I've um, now that I've finished his book, I wish I had read his book before talking to him because I have so many questions, more questions that I want to ask him, and I have so many more questions that I want to ask college coaches in general and um and that that kind of brings up what i what I want to do going forward with this podcast, because as I sit here now, I don't have any more recordings. Uh, any more conversations recorded with other, other people. And, and I, I, I have some college coaches that have reached out to me and said they want to want to talk with me and I, and I'm going to talk with them. And I want to branch away, maybe branch away from college coaches. I, I really do love talking to college coaches because of how I don't know how kind of behind the scenes they are of these amazing athletes that um especially the top 20 to 30 schools in the country go on to be professional golfers and and these coaches are the mentors that that lead these players through for 4 years they spend 4 years with these players um teaching them and and mentoring them and helping them go from a high schooler to an adult in this extremely important time of their lives and and I remember this time in my life uh of going through college and and how important the coaching role is in in my life and in everybody's life and it it just it's so much more than the physical aspects of golf that a that a college golf coach does and it's they're they're basically mental coaches and that's why it's so amazing to me and and so good for this podcast and so good for the people listening for all of you listeners to hear from college coaches is um is they aren't they aren't usually primarily swing instructors because most college golfers already have a swing instructor that they've been going to, or they have one back from their hometown that they still trust and rely on. And college golf coaches are knowledgeable uh, in in the swing and in mechanics, and a lot of them have their teaching certification and, um, and are capable of that. But um, for the most part, college golfers, Rely on a swing instructor and also have a golf coach, and in these best schools in the country, they, um, the college coach has such an impact on these players, and and these golfers are so good as it is that um, the college golf coach has this has this job of channeling that talent into. I guess into you know strategy and thinking properly and course management and time management and responsibility and you know physical fitness and and balance of their whole life with uh, you know social school golf and and working out and um, and the college coach has such a important role that is is not too far from what a mental coach does. And a lot of colleges have mental coaches on staff or they bring in a mental coach. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to do that with any schools yet, but um, that is a real thing that colleges do. So, you know, college coaches have this knowledge that they don't know at all, but they do have, have this role in... In young men and women's lives to to point them in the right direction and to to make sure that they're doing the right things and practicing the right things and thinking the right ways. So that's all that to say is that's why I love talking to college golf coaches and why I'm going to continue to. But I'd like to I'd like to branch a little bit maybe away from the behind the scenes uh, men and women to the the players the actual golfers that are between the ropes or actually on the course swinging the club I'd love to do that I'd love to talk uh with actual golfers and you know a lot of these college coaches are golfers or have been players and used to play professionally and tried to play professionally and are really good golfers themselves so not not to take away from their actual skill level but the ones that you know make a day to day routine of playing golf and that would be interesting to me of how actual golfers think about the mental game and think about the balance of physical and mental and how to improve their mental game and are they actually doing things that help their mental game and what are they doing? Are they reading? Are they seeing someone? Are they, do they go to therapy? Do they, um, you know, do they think about these things on a regular basis do they just kind of willy-nilly hope that they're confident come time for their tea time? I, I wonder about these things, and, and I don't, I don't want to do it to, um, you know, nudge them and say, hey, if you ever need a mental coach, that's, that's not my purpose for this. My purpose is to learn from them and to help you as a listener learn from those out there and the different perspectives and the different points of view about the mental game. And that's what interests me about about interviewing people and interviewing uh, the whole gamut of people in the golf industry. Um, And I could I could think of interviewing caddies and how they how they help their player in the middle of the battle. Um. And and how you know bringing their. Player down from a high or up from a low, and keeping them even keeled, and and helping them think the right things, and 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 being their mental coach on the ground and the only person they can talk to during an event. Um, I think of Webb Simpson just just won the uh, the waste management, and his his caddy Paul Tesori, um I think I'm getting that right. I think Paul tessori is Webb Simpson's caddy. Um, he. He is an awesome asset to Webb Simpson. He's he's Webb Simpson's fifteenth club because uh I think I'm getting this right. I, I remember the commentators and I've heard this before that Paul Tessori is Webb Simpson's um, you know, swing instructor. He's he's his mentor in a lot of ways. Um, I'm actually googling it as I'm talking here about Paul Tessori. Uh let's see meet the caddy paltasori i I've heard so many good things about him and how he um how instrumental he is in webb Simpson's life and in golf and and webb i remember i remember seeing webb it was it was something Scott fawcett tweeted um i'm gonna go to that too how much webb has learned about his own game and and the mental side of it and Let's see if I can find that. Uh, this is not interesting uh, for you to listen to. Is me searching Twitter. <laughs> um, so let's go. yeah, so i'll just I'll just kind of read I'll read this what uh, Webb Simpson did in an interview recently. Um, so the the interviewer says, "When you have it going the way you had today talking about the uh I guess this is talking about the final round of the waste management after he won. Can you dis- discuss maybe the psychology of trying to keep it going? Trying maybe not to be so conscious about how hot you are, or am I going to lose the mojo, or any of that kind of thing? Obviously, you were in the zone. Can you just discuss that a little bit? And Webb Simpson says, I mean, yeah, that's the challenge, is you're hitting all your shots exactly where you're looking. And so the temptation is to start aiming more at the flag. So, uh, parentheses about Webb, he, you know, he's, he's striking it perfectly. So there's a temptation to, um, like if I'm hitting my nine iron exactly where I'm aiming, why don't I just aim at the flag? And I, I do this as, as a viewer, like when the commentators say, oh yeah, they, you're going to see a lot of players hit it there. That's the safe side you know, a lot of players have been aiming at this exact point. That's exactly where you should be aiming on this hole. And if if all these golfers are hitting it this, in this big, you know, fat part of the green, and they can all do it with uh, consistency and repetitively, then why don't they all consistently and repetitively aim right at the hole? And, and you know, me being uh, not the smartest guy ever, like, um, and me learning that in my own life, if you can remember back to my my last tweener episode where I talked about my own goals, and one of them being to strategize better, to aim safer. Um, I I'm still learning that now after my whole playing career is over, uh, basically over. I, I'm still going to play tournaments, but after my whole pursuit of professional golf is over, I'm just now learning that it's smart to aim away from the flag even if you are totally confident and you know exactly where the ball is going. So Webb kind of had that realization. So back to what he said, um, the temptation is to start aiming more at the flag, but I didn't do that. I mean, you've got to isolate every shot and every putt and just ask yourself, what's the objective here? Although I'm hitting it great, on 13, I aimed 30 feet right of the hole. 14, I have a 9-iron in my hand. I'm aiming 15 feet right of the hole. So you have to be disciplined. And I like that. You've got to isolate every shot and every putt and just ask yourself, what's the objective here? The objective, yes, is to is to get it in the hole as soon as possible. And I think that's the objective every time. And I think when you break it down and, and you're hitting an approach shot, I think when you say to get it in the hole as fast as possible, that can lead you to being more aggressive than you need to be. Uh, what the true objective is, is to make a birdie. I mean, that's that's one of your objectives. I mean, one of your objectives could be to make it in the hole on this shot from the fairway. And sometimes that is the objective. But usually the objective is to shoot as low of a score as possible. And, uh, you know, a lot of times aiming aggressively can lead to not shooting as low of score as possible because you'll, you're not always perfect. So you'll miss it and be in a short-sighted bad position. And, and then you'll uh, struggle to get up and down for par and you'll make a bogey instead of, okay, I know where I'm hitting it and the objective here is to shoot as low of a score as possible. So I'm going to hit it 15 feet right of the pin to give myself a birdie chance. And over the course of 18 holes, over the course of a four-round tournament, over the course of uh, an entire season, over the course of a decade, that, that strategy will pan out to be lower scores than if you're always aggressive and sometimes missing it on the low side and making bogey, sometimes missing it on the good side and hitting it close and making birdie. That If you just think every time you're on the low side, you're going to make a bogey, uh, the short side, and every time you're on the good side, you make a birdie and sometimes par, then at best, you'll be even par and probably going to be over par because you're not always going to get up and down from short side of the green. Those are hard shots. And you're definitely not going to always make the putt from 10, 15, 20 feet or even five feet. You're not going to always make these putts. So most likely you're going to be over par uh, if you pan that out over the course of a season or a decade. But if you always make a strategy of hitting it to the safe side of the hole, then you'll almost never make a bogey because three putts are so much more rare than um, than bogeys are from short side. You're You're so much better with a putter from 30 feet than you are with a the, with a wedge from 10 yards away from the pin in the rough, short-sided, or in a bunker. That's That's statistically proven. You can look that up. You can look those stats up. You're better with a putter. You're more often going to have two strokes or less with a putter than two strokes or less with a wedge from right off the green. So, if you take those stats and extrapolate them over the course of a tournament, season, decade, you know, 10 seasons worth of this same strategy, that will pan out to be better. And that kind of thing like, gets me going of like, what's what is a way that you could look back in 10 years and say, that was a good decision. That was a mental switch that I made that affected the last 10 years, the last 10 seasons, the last four tournaments that I played, the last 15 tournaments, the last three rounds that I played, that was the mental decision. Nothing physical. Yes, I'm still working on my swing. Yes, I'm still practicing. But one mental switch that you can make that can change your game is just just strategizing better. And this is something Webb Simpson did. And and he goes on to talk about how uh he's never played well at Augusta and that's because he never really understood how to miss it in the right places. How to not even miss it in the right places, but aim in the right places and strategize properly. And and all and I guess this is kind of me rambling, but um I'm sure Paul Tesori had an impact on him to do that. So, I'd like to interview caddies. That's what I was talking about. But I'd like to interview players and how they kind of think about these strategy type things and how they um how they go about uh planning their way or during a round. And these things interest me and I and I want to branch out of who I'm talking to and who I interview and who you guys get to listen to. Um so this, this Thursday, I don't think I'll have a podcast at all. I think I might take a little bit of a break. Um, I might chime in with my own thoughts every once in a while. Um, it's not as interesting because I'm not as smart as someone I'm interviewing because I'm always interviewing someone that's much smarter than me. It doesn't take much, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to kind of round up the, uh, Get get some interviews going back in the hopper. And uh, I'll keep you guys updated, of course, with that. But I, I do appreciate you listening. Um, I appreciate you chiming in with, uh, I, I've got some great feedback from people emailing me, texting me. Um, some really nice, encouraging words. And uh, I'd love it if you um, reached out to me and and communicated with me what maybe you think who I should interview, who I should talk to, who you'd love to hear from. Uh, I do have this, the benefit of being an established podcast at this point, which is crazy to say. This being episode 46 of this podcast, I cannot believe. Um, But I, um, I do have the opportunity to reach out to someone and say, hey, I have this podcast, The Mental Golf Show. I'd love it if you were on it. I'd love it uh to to talk to you um and and allow my listeners to listen to you, to what you have to say so i i do have that position um so you as a listener can can reach out to me and say hey i'd love it if you talked to x or i think you should try to reach out to blank and you know of course i'd want to go down the the top 20 players in the world and um and say hey uh you know Patrick Reed I want to talk to you I want to see what you think about the mental game I, that would be an amazing conversation um so of course I I know that those kind of people uh everyone wants to hear from them but you know maybe some uh some people that I don't know or never heard of or didn't think of to ask so uh yeah reach out to me you can email me joshluke gmail.com. My phone number, 336-399-1825. You can tweet at me. Uh, That's kind of my main place where I spend my time um, in the golf industry is Twitter. That's Josh Luke Nichols on Twitter. (coughs) Excuse me. Yeah, not feeling great. But yeah, reach out to me. Let me know who you would like to hear from, and I will do my best to get them on. Um, But yeah, until next time. Thanks for listening and uh, maybe go back through some old episodes and uh, and rehash them because uh, it might be a minute for when I get another interview. But uh, in the meantime, reach out to me and I'd love to talk to you. All right. Thanks for listening. Catch you guys later. Bye.